Anusara Yoga is built upon three main elements. The elements are the philosophy, the alignment, and community. And the combination of the three is unique to Anusara Yoga. Hi there. I'm Michael C. Patterson, co-founder and CEO of MindRamp Consulting and Coaching. In this podcast, master yoga teacher Karak Moranaga describes the core elements of Anusare yoga, which is the discipline he prefers and the discipline I have studied. Karak describes the core elements of the Anusara practice and explains the five principles of alignment that guide the practice. In addition to discussing the alignment of the body, we also discuss how yoga strengthens mental discipline. We even venture bravely into an attempt to define spirit in the context of practicing yoga. If you've never done yoga, Keurig's descriptions will give you a sense of what the practice is about. And if you are currently a student or teacher of yoga, I think this podcast will deepen your understanding and appreciation for this powerful practice. By the way, in another podcast, Carrick and I discuss yoga and the process of aging. We explore how yoga can contribute to aging well. Check it out. I see you at a certain extent as a teacher of teachers. How did you get into doing being a teacher of teachers? I, I didn't know if I would be a good yoga teacher. I took my first yoga teacher training because... I wanted to learn more. I wanted to progress my practice. And I went to my teacher at the time and asked, how can I do more? How can I do more than attend class four times a week? And the suggestion was to look into teacher training. And so Mm. I did. And in the style of yoga that I practice in Anusara Yoga, we used to split things up into an immersion followed by a teacher training. And the immersion was a deep dive into the poses, the philosophy, the practice, without learning how to teach other people. I like this, uh, and I want to use what I've learned. So then I just started teaching friends, and eventually that led to subbing a few classes at the local studio where I was practicing. Mm. And then I had a class on the schedule, and then it was two classes, and then five classes. And then next thing you know, I was at a point where I could drop the corporate job that I wasn't enjoying as much and, and teach full time. And then from there, I guess, I guess things just sort of progress, which is something that I love about yoga. Yoga is never Mm -hmm. ending as far as progression. There's always more to do and more to experience. And that's where teaching led me from taking teacher trainings to leading teacher trainings. And at some point I really wanted to give back to the yoga community, what I got out of my training. So I had such amazing teacher trainers who mentored me and helped me along and helped me build the career as a yoga teacher that I wanted to pass that on to the next generation. And that's really how I think about it is it's my offering to the next generation. And if a student enjoys my teaching, I can teach them how to do what I do. And it's actually pretty easy. The way that I teach is, I don't want to call it formulaic, but there is a method to the Anusara practice, and there's a method to teaching Anusara yoga. And it's very clearly laid out, and we have a a system, a training system. 
last class or the class before, I think you mentioned there were principles of alignment. Anusara Yoga is built upon three main elements. The elements are the philosophy, the alignment, and community. And the combination of the three is unique to Anusara Yoga. The, the philosophy is tantric philosophy, which is the philosophy of oneness. The, the main teaching is that everything is one. Everything is from one source, and that one source is spirit. And that's different from many yoga styles where everything is from two worlds. Mm. And the two worlds are the spiritual world and the material world. And the two are very separate. In Anusara Yoga, we see everything as one. Everything is this one world, one spirit. So then everything has the potential to be spiritual in the Anusara practice, even your body, even your thoughts, they're all spirit. So that's that's one of the main elements. And then the I'll just skip to the third element, which is, uh, these are not necessarily in order, by the way. Mm-hmm. The third element is community. So there's a focus on interaction and uh, communication in a physical class, students would partner up and help each other. Students are allowed to talk in class and ask questions. So even in the Zoom class, I love it when when you ask questions, it's interactive. And in some styles of yoga, that's that's not a thing. You, as a student, you have to be quiet. You're not supposed to talk to the teacher. It's a sacred space. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's great. If if that's the way a teacher wants to conduct the class where there should be no talking and it's a sacred space, everyone should be quiet. There's that sort of ties back to community ties back to the philosophy. If the philosophy is that everything is one, everything is spirit, then we're all spirit. We're all equal. And we have the same bright shining spirit within. And I'm no more spiritual than you. You're no more spiritual than me. So So then we're equals and we should interact and we should um, Mm -hmm. communicate. We should be in community. And so the philosophy really is tied very closely to this aspect of community in the practice. Okay, and then this is a long long way to get to the principles. So then the (laughs) principles are uh, alignment principles and there's, there's only five of them. And every instruction that I give in a yoga class is based on one of the five principles. If you really, really listen to the instructions in any of my classes, they start to become very repetitive because I'm only saying basically five different things. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying them in different ways. And hopefully I'm saying them in ways that resonate with the students and that they understand and they can implement in their bodies. But I'm saying the same things over and over again. The five principles are open to grace, which is it's that initial moment in a practice or in a pose when you soften and open your mind to the pose. You take the shape of the pose. It's opening to spirit. It's opening to something bigger than yourself. Equanimity is a term that comes to mind from meditation. Yes. Yes. So it's really the initial setup and just having the right attitude yeah, equanimity, it's it's a pause. It's just taking a breath is open to grace. So there, we can talk about open to grace in terms of physical things that you can do, softening the body, taking a breath, being aware of the back of the body, things like that. Or we can talk about more like mental things, clearing your mind. So that's the most esoteric of the five principles and the least tangible. And then from there, 
right after we open to grace, then we contract and we use muscular energy to make a pose stronger, safer, more stable. We draw the muscles in and contract. And there's a couple of different ways that we can contract the muscles, but um, we call that muscular energy when we draw in. And then, then we have a couple of more subtle energies that we work with called inner and outer spiral. And actually they're called expanding and contracting spiral. And they deal with um, rotations of the legs and of the arms. And then the last principle is organic energy. And that's an expansion from the center. And that's it. All the instructions that I give stem from these five principles. I think I only got four. Open to grace, muscular energy, inner and outer spiral. Yeah, so inner spiral is... Oh, inner is one and outer is... Outer is four, yeah. Gotcha. And then I lumped them together. And then the fifth principle is organic energy. So the way that I think about the principles, there's only five. And I could very easily teach you, and you could memorize all five in about, I don't know, 10 or 20 minutes. (laughs) Right. Um, And we could have the whole podcast just be on that. And I can teach you the principles. And then it will take you a lifetime to master the use of the principles in all of your yoga poses. And that's what you and I do every time we are on the mat, where we're using the principles and tinkering with them and figuring out how they work, how they connect to enhance our practices. To me, it's a lot like learning to play chess. Do you play chess at all, Michael? No, I don't. I don't either. I, I know the moves, like I know how the pieces move. I right. know that the knight moves two forward and one over and the pawns can only move straight forward. We can Google the moves for chess and learn all the moves in about 10 or 20 minutes right. and memorize them. But then it doesn't mean that we're going to be great chess players. It's going to take us a lifetime to master. And same with the principles. Just because you know the principles doesn't mean that you're done with yoga. It means that you now have the tools to work with for the rest of your life. And that's one of the challenging things, because like you say, we are going over the same things, I mean, largely the same things over and over. So unless you can hook into those principles, either explicitly or implicitly, you know, it's not just getting into the pose, it's doing all of those things and you you never quite get any one of them perfectly you've hit on something that i think about a lot yoga i think for the younger generation coming up students in their 20s and 30s i'm generalizing a lot mm-hmm. but they have so many options for physical and mental health and activity they have apps that they can go to they can do a different type of class every day they don't have to just do yoga every every day and i think because they have so many opportunities and options that yoga can seem very boring very quickly it's so boring compared to the fun and cool and things that you can do with great music and all of the stimulation and yoga at least the way i teach yoga is it's slow it's repetitive mm-hmm. and the challenge is to maintain interest in the practice by challenging yourself more internally. Mm-hmm. So it's less of the external challenge. And it is externally, it is challenging. We do challenging things, handstands and inversions and even twists and backbends. And it all it all can be challenging. But at some point when you're doing the same poses day in and day out, 
then the challenge becomes very often much more mental uh, or much more refined or subtle in the body and not like what is the next new cool fun thing do you equate uh yoga with meditation yes and and i have a i have a sitting practice that um it's sporadic i go in spurts i'll do i'll go every day for a long time and then i'll take a break um, I wish it was steady every day forever, but it's not. But I do, I do sit to meditate, and and I do the physical asana. And to me, they are very similar. When I'm on the mat, whether I'm in a class where the teacher is teaching me, or I'm on the mat by myself, there are moments where I am drawn in and focused on myself and not on what's happening outside the window or in my life or in social media or in the news. And I just get to be with my breath and my body. And that is my focus. And that to me is meditation. And it can be on the mat doing a pose, or it can be seated, sitting tall, which is also a pose, just sitting. Mm -hmm. It's also a pose. So I do equate the two. It's funny. Sometimes I get the question, oh, you're a yoga teacher? Well, what do you do for a spiritual practice? I'm like, well, I, I do yoga. And they're like, oh, no, no, but what do you do? And they're leading me. They want to hear that I meditate, that I sit and meditate. Ah. And, and they say, no, but what do you do to be spiritual? Yeah. Well, I do yoga. And again, this goes back to the philosophy of the Anusara practice. Everything is spirit. Everything is one. That's the philosophy. So in this philosophy, the asana the physical practice is no more or less spiritual than just sitting and meditating. It's no more or less spiritual than chanting. Mm -hmm. They're all, they're all just spirit expressing itself in different forms, in different poses, in different um, practices, in different people. And then you can even take this even farther. So Anusara yoga and the philosophy really believe then that, if everything is spirit, then other styles of yoga are also spirit too. And they're no more or less spiritual than Anusara yoga. So Bikram hot yoga or power yoga or vinyasa flow, any, any yoga style that you name is no more or less spiritual than Anusara yoga. So one of the things that I love about what I teach is that we're very accepting of other practices. And then you can extrapolate from that too, not just other styles of yoga, but CrossFit can be a spiritual practice if you want it to be, if that's your intention, running or swimming or whatever your physical activity happens to be can be a spiritual practice. I think it depends on intention. If that is your intention is for you to be spiritual and make it meditative, et cetera, it can be. It doesn't mean that it is, but mm -hmm. it has the potential for it, I think. I have trouble with the words spirit and spiritualism because mm. it's one of those words that we all assume we know what it means, but I think every single person has their own definition, which is not going to be the same as mine or anybody else's. Right. So what do you mean when you say spirit and spirituality? It's funny because even as you say that for you, the, the trouble is that it's so general and everybody thinks of it differently. I think that's why I use that term. I use the term spirit because it's so general 
and everybody can interpret it a different way. And so to me that it is the most general term and then everyone can come to the practice and be quote unquote spiritual in their own way. And spiritual for one person is being quiet and turning in. Spiritual for another person is opening up their hearts and connecting to everybody uh, in the class. Um, it's a great question. Like what does spiritual <laughs> mean to me? You know, well, spiritual... it's one of these, it's a bug that I've had for years. I'm, I'm largely a materialist. So at the extreme, right. if you talk about spirit and spiritualism, it mm -hmm. means, oh, do you believe that we have a spirit entity that is separate from our body, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that floats around or, and some people do, some people don't. So where do you come down on that one? So spirit for me is connecting to the part of ourselves, whether it's separate or just ingrained in us, it's connecting to the part of ourselves beyond ego is the way that I think of it. So if I can strip away the things that make me Carrick, the yoga teacher, and connect to something beyond that, um, an energy, a light, a spirit, um, a soul, the deepest part of myself um, that is that is spirit. And spirit is, in the philosophy that I study, spirit can then manifest itself in different ways. So our bodies, our minds, and our hearts or spirits are different, almost like different densities of the same stuff. And so a spiritual practice is to connect to the essence of who we are. And we are this stuff, spirit, and it's just, molded into different shapes and forms. I think of it like, it's like water, H2O. You can have water as a vapor, as a gas, steam. You can have water as um, a liquid, which we're probably most familiar. And then you can have water as a solid, as ice. So our bodies are akin to the solid, the ice. And then our minds are maybe more like water, more fluid, changing all the time. And then the most esoteric is the gas or the steam, and that would be spirit. So body, mind, spirit, and then spirit is, but everything is spirit. And so that's why I think of it when, when we're on the mat and we're connecting to something beyond the physical body, beyond the mind into that deeper realm, that's the spiritual practice. And, and that's the spiritual connection. We're very used to connecting to the body. We're good at it. Um, mm -hmm. our, our five senses are geared towards taking in the outside world, see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. We're, we're taking in sensory data from the outside world and, and bringing it in. We're also very used to our thoughts and our minds. We, we think all day, every day, and, and we all have, I think we all have kind of running monologue in our heads that sort of yeah. narrates our, our experience. Monkey mind. Monkey mind. And then... <laughs> I think that spirit is the is probably the one that most of us are least familiar with, at least for me. I'm, mm. I'm least in touch with that part of myself, that deepest part of myself. And when I'm on the mat, when I'm doing yoga, I get little glimpses of that part of me. There's little moments where I feel or I connect to my deepest self, and, and I call that spirit. I hope it was clear from the discussion that I'm a big fan of yoga and I think Carrick is a terrific teacher. I recommend the practice to anyone who is interested in aging well. It's a great way to build strength, flexibility, and balance. 
You know, I've been thinking recently how important balance is to our health and well-being. The MindRap method helps us prepare for the challenges of age by strengthening our physical balance, our emotional balance, and our cognitive balance. The Anyasara principles of alignment that Carrick described give us the opportunity to work on all three of those objectives. We strive to find stillness, strength, and ease when holding a physical pose, and this effort is supported by cultivating mental stillness, strength, and ease. In other words, yoga helps us learn to manage our bodies and our minds. Well, thanks so much for listening. The MindRamp mission is to use brain and mind science to help people live long and live well, what we call qualongevity, that is, longevity plus quality of life. All of our podcasts and writings explore different aspects of how we go about promoting longevity and quality of life. MindRamp helps individuals and organizations ramp up their brain power by developing and implementing Qualongevity action plans. Our workshops and training programs give you the tools you need to protect and strengthen your brain. And our group or individual coaching sessions help you manage your minds to optimize their potential for efficiency, ease, and creative productivity. So go to the website, check us out, and then click on one of the contact buttons to schedule a conversation with us. We'd love to explore how we can support your desire to ramp up the strength of your brain and the power of your mind. All right, that's it for now. Live long and live well. Thank you.